Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Courtney Vavilia. You may know her as Courtney Keeping Balance on Instagram. That's how I know her. And I am, I know I literally every week I say that I'm excited, but like I'm so thrilled for this conversation because we're going to talk about cyclical fitness, how to sync your menstrual cycle with your fitness and actually get results with that versus just feeling like it's a way that it limits you or holds you back, that you have to slow down in different phases of your cycle. And this is Courtney's like whole thing, her passion. I cannot wait to dive in. So Courtney, I would love before we you know, get into everything, I would love to hear a little bit about you, like your personal life now and kind of your story, how you got into this. And then we can go into some of the details. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. So I started out my life as a competitive gymnast and I was in the world of gymnastics for like 15, 20 years as an athlete and as a coach. I dealt with a lot of issues from that, from injuries to disordered eating, burnout, lost my period at one point as well. And then I kind of shifted into my role as a nurse. And then from there, my husband at some point like had his own like career shift and we moved across the country and I was in a place where I got to decide like I had this blank slate where I could build something I didn't have to go back to the hospital and do what I had been doing because I didn't feel totally aligned to be working in the emergency room anymore. I didn't want to serve the role as getting to people when it was already too late. I wanted to be more on the other side of things and help people prevent chronic disease and emergencies from the first place. So I started shifting into my Instagram account, which was talking about wellness and all of those things that played into my story. So, you know, coming to a place of health now where as a woman, we've dealt with disordered eating, we're post-diet culture. How do we approach health? Like, how do we balance it all? And how do we still care about our health? And a huge thing that was coming up for me was being a new mom of two and fitting fitness into my life. So I stumbled into the research of how exercise and women really interact. And it was just mind-blowing to me that this wasn't like mainstream. <laughs> And so I started diving into that research more, started talking about it, started doing it myself. And then two years later, found that I was in the best shape of my life, the best health of my life, had been consistent with exercise. And so I released my course on it, the Keeping Balance Method, and it has just gone from there. So here we are. Okay. I love that. I love that story. And being able to do that as a mom of two busy little boys, I can just imagine that that was a whole thing. So I think that that's that in itself is a testament to how yeah. well you're how well you're doing with your health and your mental health that you could even start a business with two little kids. 
Thank you. I mean, yeah, it it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that it was, you know, it wasn't easy and it wasn't like you know, any one particular thing that I was doing, but it was just consistency over time and persistence and belief and passion, all those things that like are true for fitness, are true for business, like all of those things. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I know you already mentioned diet culture. That's something we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast. I would love to just start with some of the biggest like mistakes or misconceptions you see not only in fitness for women and health for women, but also like when people come to you with misconceptions about cyclical fitness. So kind of let's go into both of those. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, in this post-diet culture era, there's still some things that are sticking around that deserve to be talked about more. We needed to debunk them for sure. So the first one being that I see all the time is that I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get too bulky or having this perception that certain styles of exercise belong to a certain gender, which is just absolutely not true. As a human being, resistance training, building strength and building muscle is across the board hugely beneficial to your health physically, mentally, functionally, especially as a mom. And if you don't have male hormones, there's no way that you're going to look like a man, right? Right. We do not have the same amount of testosterone that a man has. I mean, we do get that mid-cycle and it helps us build muscle, but we're still going to be a woman and look like a woman. Even if it's a more muscular version of you, I think women are afraid to push themselves and get to that point because of what society expects them to look like. And I think as you actually start to experience life and experience the benefits that it gives you, that voice just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's one thing to know that scientifically that's not true, it's not possible, but then it's the other thing to actually experience it and then realize that this was misogyny, really. Like, it, I don't know what the point of telling women that was, but it's just, it has been such a grave disservice to us. Yeah. And then when it comes to like cyclical fitness itself, there's a whole lot of misunderstanding. So one is that... You can only work hard in your follicular phase. And then during your luteal phase, you kind of just have to rest, hibernate, only walk. And if you do anything more than that, you're going to cause too much stress on your body. And that misconception leads to the other misconception that cyclical fitness is perpetuating the idea of females being fragile Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're going to hold yourself back. You're limited by your gender, that whole thing, that whole narrative. And so those two things kind of, you know, they relate to each other, but they're both false. So we'll start with the first one, which is that it's not necessarily what you're doing, but your your approach to it, how you're doing it. So the big thing that I teach is your perceived exertion. So when you look at your perceived exertion, you also can look at what's left in the tank after a workout. So we can all imagine that workout that we've done where we're just on the floor in a puddle of sweat. We're just like, you know, hunched over. There's a time and a place for that. But when you're doing that consistently as your main method of exercise, then you're not actually allowing yourself to get the benefits out of those high intensity workouts because that recovery piece isn't there. And when you're looking at the like continuum and the structure of work to and the ratio of work to recovery for a woman, we always think about it in terms of like the day or the week, but it's actually happening over the course of a menstrual cycle because that's kind of like our unit of time as a woman, right? You know, males have their 24-hour hormonal cycle 
And there are certain times of the week or certain things that they can do that will make their testosterone increase or decrease. But for women, we have this predictable cycle that happens monthly. And so when you look at that as your unit of time, then you can start to break down the pieces of, okay, here's where I can put more effort in so that in this part of the cycle, I'm going to rest to set myself up for success in the next cycle. Mm -hmm. But it's not so extreme. It's not bust your butt in the follicular phase and then just plop in the luteal phase. We are still going to strength train. You can still do the workouts that you love. If you're a cardio person, you can still do your cardio. But let's just tweak the approach and we can get into the details if you want here. We can wait. But it's a lot to do with what's left in the tank at the end of your workout. The kind of mode that you're putting your body in, which is determined by your rest intervals, your sets, your reps, all of those different things that kind of speak to a different metabolic pathway. Because your hormones throughout the cycle are triggering these different series of events that set up your metabolism to be working in one specific mode more so than the other. And exercise is all about those metabolic pathways. And so when you align those two things, you're getting more out of your workouts and it just makes the most sense. And so really when it we boil it down to like what is this? What is working out in accordance with your menstrual cycle? It is simply effective exercise based off of your physiology. It's effective and it's efficient and it just makes sense. Yeah. So I love all of that. And one of the things that I know I work on so much with my clients is supporting their metabolism and strength training can be such a powerful or just this movement in general can be such a powerful way to increase the metabolism. And I see we just did an episode recently on like some of the most common mistakes when people are moving toward like more of a pro-metabolic lifestyle and nourishing more. And one of them I think is that we really just like throw exercise out the window for a while if we feel like our bodies are really depleted. And so I love that you're bringing us a, again, like more of a balanced perspective because I think we just swing, right? We swing back and forth between like, we can't eat anything. We can eat everything. We can't exercise at all. We have to exercise hard. Like coming back to this middle spot of like, we can exercise in a way that honors our bodies and our physiology and our hormones and gets us results. Like how encouraging is that? I love hearing that. And so I think that just even just that little bit of hope is so encouraging for women who are in that place of like, I don't know what to do. Oh yeah, totally. And I'm right there with you with the whole black and white way that we think as a society, it's so frustrating. And that's not where we live life, right? Like life happens in the gray. And I've been joking lately, like my tagline is now becoming like, let's bring gray back. Let's make gray sexy again, because the black and white thinking, I mean, we've swung so far in either direction and neither of those directions are serving us. And I think we're starting to realize now, like, hmm, maybe there isn't just like this one way I have to approach it forever. Maybe there is nuance and we fluctuate. And as a woman, that's absolutely how you are built and how you're designed. And I kind of call it inconsistent consistency, where we think that consistency means frequency, right? We think that if you're consistent with something, that you're going to do it every day or that you're going to do it five times a week, every week for eternity. But consistency when you are a female is actually is being consistent with your hormonal fluctuations. And so that fluctuation is consistent. So when you're moving with those fluctuations, it appears inconsistent to maybe like society's viewpoint, which is kind of like a a male perspective of consistency. 
But for us, it's moving against the tide. And you kind of think about it as like tides and oceans and things. It's, you know, you're moving with into the shore and you kind of have that arc of the wave and then you crash, but then it comes back and it happens all over again. And right. while those waves, while the single wave itself isn't going to look the same across the like you know timeline, it repeats itself over and over again. And that in itself is consistent. So it's inconsistent consistency. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that we should be looking for more like these like smooth waves in our cycles, not like the huge roller coaster. And I think that that's where yeah. all of the things hormones get a bad rap is because when we have terrible hormone symptoms, it does feel like a roller coaster and it does feel like for lack of a better term, like sometimes it feels like you're crazy. Sometimes it feels like you can't be consistent. But when we start to understand those waves and those cycles, it can be so powerful because we understand like, oh, there's a reason that I feel like this today and I'm going to feel different tomorrow or in three days. And like, it's okay that I am where I am. So I think that that applies to fitness, that applies to nutrition, to basically everything in our lives, of course. So yeah, I really want to get into especially if someone hasn't really understood how their hormones impact their fitness, I would love for you to talk just maybe a little bit about each phase and what your hormones are doing that relates to exercise, to strength, to muscle building, like any of those pieces, even your metabolism or insulin resistance, like anything that relates to exercise specifically. Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Yeah, for sure. So I actually like to start with the follicular phase. And, you know, I'm sure your audience knows that your menstruation, your menstrual phase is part of the follicular half of the cycle. But I kind of like to view the uh, the period as happening last in the cycle. So we'll start with the follicular phase where you've come off your bleed and your estrogen is now rising. That's kind of a time where it's kind of known as low hormonal interference, where you're actually pretty resilient to stress. And so those are times when you can start to rev up the intensity of your exercise. And then once you get towards the end of your follicular phase and you're approaching ovulation, you get that rise of estrogen and testosterone. And so that whole half of the cycle, a lot of things are happening. So you're actually better at utilizing carbohydrates for energy. And so that's really good for short but intense bursts of energy. So if you think about weightlifting, you're performing a really intense movement, but it's for a short amount of time. And so that's going to utilize carbs the most and carbs first. And so during the first half of your cycle, you can really focus on those types of exercise that is putting in a lot of effort where you maybe you are going to be like on the floor, but it's not an hour long workout, right? We're keeping it short, sweet and effective here because you're really great at utilizing those carbs. Interval training is a really great example of that. When you get to your ovulatory phase, some of the psychological aspects start to come into play as well, because now you are feeling a lot of drive and motivation and competitiveness. So during that time of ovulation, that's when 
your body is wanting to go out there and essentially mate, right? So that you can procreate. And so that's making you feel more social. You might feel like you're more drawn to doing group classes or you want to work out with a friend during that time, but you're also more driven and competitive. So maybe that's when you want to do one of your races or, you know, go for your hardest efforts of the week or of the month because you'll have the most motivation to do so. And there's that whole debate of motivation versus discipline. And that's a whole other topic. But in that ovulatory phase, the motivation piece does play a huge role. And so you're going to find that you're not actually relying on discipline, quote unquote, as much as you are working off of that motivational intuitive piece to the ovulatory phase. And then Right after that is when you kind of experience this shift in metabolism, where instead of being so insulin sensitive, you get a little bit more insulin resistance. So into that luteal phase, you're not going to be utilizing carbs as efficiently, but fat more efficiently. And so now we are going to take the intensity down, but we can actually sustain your effort for longer. And that's a huge misconception like we were talking about before with luteal phase, where now people are thinking, okay, I'm gonna, gonna just keep my workouts like really short and you know sweet, but that's actually a little bit more appropriate for the earlier part of your cycle. In that early part of the luteal phase, you can actually do, you know, maybe a longer run or like a steady state cardio workout where you're gonna kind of sit in that pretty, you know, safe zone of burning fat and feeling energized after your workout instead of being on the floor from how hard you pushed yourself. Uh-huh. So that would be like the early luteal phase. And then into that late luteal phase, you might be experiencing PMS and into the first couple of days of your bleed. That's when I like to deload. And so that's when I want movement to be more restorative in nature. That's when you're really going to be recovering and setting yourself up for success in the next cycle. So you can still do your strength training and your cardio, but it's going to be geared towards like keeping 50% in the tank at the end and making sure that that is giving you energy for the day and serving a purpose more so of recovery and restoration than exertion, if that makes sense. Um, So you can focus on things, you know, more like focusing on the little details. If you train for something very specific here, you can be focusing on your drills or, you know, your mobility, your rehab and your prehab, all those like little details that are still serving a purpose and, you know, building towards your goal, but aren't totally depleting you. And then the cycle starts all over again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I told you before we started recording, I've just started going through some of the things in your course. It's been amazing. And the workout that you have for that last week of luteal and like the first couple of days of your period, that's right where I landed when I started doing the exercises. And it's been so good. And even I think that, you know, this is my first time through. So I'm just kind of like trying it out and taking it slow. And I think that being able to do the workout and be like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not totally exhausted. Like maybe I should have done a little more or whatever. But realizing that like still that's probably more than I would have done in my luteal phase if I was just kind of making it up on my own. And so that felt really good to find that middle balance. And then noticing through the day, my body felt really good and actually did feel like I had done something, even though it didn't feel super hard in the moment. And so that was like, I was like, okay, like this feels really good. And so I'm excited to get into some of the other phases. But I do think that having those guidelines helps so much. And one thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit more is like in that second half of the cycle, when progesterone is higher and it is dominant, that 
a lot of times there's, I think that there's like different, different parts of that phase, of course, that we talked about already, that that first part, you're definitely going to have more stamina and be able to do more. And then in that last couple of days of your cycle, I think that that's going to be the place in most women's cycles, especially when there's hormone imbalances that you'll feel at your lowest. And so I would love to, I think that this actually relates to the whole cycle, but I would love to just talk about the concept of like, how do you know if you're pushing yourself to an extent that is good for your body or pushing yourself too hard? Because especially, you know, that's kind of our, our most um, vulnerable part of our cycle is those last few days of your of your luteal and then the first few days of your period. But I think it applies to other parts of the cycle too. And that's a question I get a lot. And I think that it can hold us back so much as women when we're like, well, we don't want to go too hard and like overdo it for our stress and our hormones, especially the people who are working with me. And they're like, this is like, I'm focused so hard on this. I don't want to do too much, but also I want to get some results. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on finding that balance. Yeah, that is such a good question. And there are so many pieces to that. But I also want to say that it's going to shift throughout your different seasons of life too. So it completely depends on the context of your life. So working out one way might work great for you in one season. And then, you know, you shift into a different season and your work schedule changes, your, you know, motherhood season changes. And then suddenly that same exercise routine might seem like too much. Or it could work in the opposite way. Your kids have suddenly gone to school and you're finding yourself with more time and you're like, okay, I actually have the bandwidth now to push myself a little bit harder. And so that's going to shift over time and it might not manifest one way or the other, you know, for a couple of cycles until you realize, okay, I need to maybe pivot a little bit. So it's not necessarily, there are definitely things that you can tell in the moment or in the days surrounding the workout that tell you, yeah, that was too hard. Things like, soreness that lasts for longer than 48 hours where you're like, this isn't going away, right? Or you're having trouble sleeping, you're feeling just more on edge and anxious. All of those things are telling you, okay, your body, your stress cup is running over a little bit too much here. And that's a good way to visualize it too, is this cup that you have in your body, because not many people realize that exercise is stress. And when you have this big stress load just at baseline, sometimes when you add in exercise that's too intense, that cup just spills over and then you get all of these unpleasant symptoms. And either, you know, in the moment, in the day, like we just talked about, or it can start manifesting as problems with your cycle. Now your PMS is worse. Um, You have more cramping. You're a little bit more moody. Your moods are unstable. All of those things are pointing to, okay, my stress cup is filling up higher and higher, higher. And of course, when you are just blatantly spilling over, we see those really overt signs like you lose your period, right? Or, you know, you're having things show up in your blood work that is just overtly like a red flag. So we never want to get to that point. So I would say you got to take it first day by day and just kind of tune into your body and see how it feels. Exercise should always net a gain, right? So if exercise is actually depleting you or causing you more physical or mental stress at the end of a cycle, then it's too much. But if you have found that, you know, it's been a couple of cycles and you feel really good physically and mentally, but you're craving more, you've got to trust your intuition too. So you've got to pull intuition into it. You've got to pull biomarkers into it. You've got to pull your, the context of your life into it. It's a constantly moving target 
And even for me, like what I was doing a couple of months ago might not necessarily work for me right now, just because things are changing so rapidly. And, you know, everyone's got a different schedule in life and whatever, but it's about being flexible. And that goes right back to inconsistent consistency. And it's moving with your body and with your life. And right now I am working out less than I was a couple months ago, just because so many other things are going on. And I want exercise to always remain a positive light in my life. And I do not ever want to go back to that place where it's causing me more stress. I don't want to have to stress about fitting in my workout or pushing myself too hard or being overly sore to the point where I can't focus, you know, on the other things that I'm doing. So if exercise is still remaining a net positive or a net gain in your life, you're on the right track. Okay. I love that. I think that there's so much goodness there. And again, it comes back to this perspective of learning to trust yourself and learning to trust your body and not always constantly outsourcing that to, you know, asking someone like, is this too much for me or is this not too much for me? I really like to use temperatures and pulses if someone's questioning, if some if something's like working for them or too hard. And also just just like the most simple thing I think too is realizing like within a couple hours of your workout, like do you still feel good or do you feel exhausted? And I think if your workout is completely draining you in those couple of hours, it either means that it was too hard for you in this season, this phase of your cycle, and or you weren't nourished before or after. So I think that, you know, that's kind of like the level and I love what you said about all of that too. I would actually be curious if you have a little bit more thought on, especially the side of it where it's like, you're afraid to push yourself and you're kind of like not really probably doing enough to see results. Oh yeah, totally. So that's a difficult one because like you said, we're so afraid of trusting ourselves. So on the one hand, you don't want to be told to go too hard, but on the other hand, you don't want to be told that you can't do, that you're doing too much because otherwise you're going to ruin your hormones or that's not true cycle syncing or whatever. And that's going to look different for everyone. So like I said before, when you're following a structured program like that is cyclical in nature, like for example, my course, you can stick with strength training over the course of your whole cycle, but those just small details are shifting so that you're still working towards that overall goal. So if you feel like that you are not doing enough, the best thing that you can do is just try it out because within, like you said, a few hours of that workout, you're going to know. You'll feel it. And I like to tell people that if they want to start taking things up a notch, just start adding more in in your follicular phase first. See how you know, you're more resilient to stress there. So see how your body is going to take that there. That's the first thing. So start there. And then when you're moving into your next phase, don't necessarily think about how frequently you're working out at first. Think about the actual the meat of your workout. Are you subconsciously holding yourself back because you think that your luteal phase is not going to give you, is it going to stress you out too much, right? Huh. So start tweaking the meat of the workout and see how that feels. From there, you can start to increase frequency. That's no problem. And one month, you might find that in the luteal phase, you can work out three, four, five times a week. But then the next month, you're like, no, okay, I'll back up. And that goes right back to the idea of you just got to keep moving with the seasons. The very simple basic answer is to just to try and see how your body responds. Because 
your body is always communicating with you. You just got to listen. You got to keep your ears open and you got to block out all the other voices and listen to your own body's voice because that will be the most powerful and the most important one of all. And so I've actually found times where in my luteal phase, I've been craving a lot more intense workouts than what I typically would be. And it's my responsibility to honor that. Even if my own course would say, typically, this would be a workout to go for. Uh So you always have to honor yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Being able to just take the chance to trust yourself. And I love what you said, like, you can just try it, right? Like, you don't have to be afraid to try something. Yeah. And if you feel bad, then check that box. Like, it wasn't for today. It wasn't for this month, maybe. And I would just caution, too, if you're, you know, many people who are listening to this are in the place of having hormone issues right now. Like, if you're exhausted all the time, if your periods are terrible, if you have really bad PMS, like, if your body is telling you it's already under a lot of stress, then that's, this isn't probably the season that you push yourself with exercise, but it's also not a reason to just do nothing, basically. So I think, again, like finding that middle ground is really good. And then a few months down the road, as you are nourishing and as your hormones are starting to change, you're going to know when it's time to start doing a little bit more. And I was even mentioning this a little bit ago, like I have had a season where I was pregnant and then I was postpartum and I'm just, I'm almost 15 months out postpartum now. And it's really been like, I think around six months, I was like, okay, like I'm going to start getting back into it with exercise. And I've always, you know, I've always done a little bit. I've always been doing something, but it has taken me until this point to be like, I'm going to do something more structured. I'm looking for muscle growth and muscle gain versus just like, I just want to do something that feels good that my body doesn't feel like an old lady. So it's different seasons. And my hormones have actually been perfect this whole year. But I have three kids. I have a business. I have family, friends, like all the things. Like there's just a lot of things. And so just I think I have really, really benefited so much from learning to listen to and trust my body over the last couple of years. And I wouldn't have been able to do that before. I would have just been doing like what I should do which was probably work out too hard. And so I just want to echo that trust. And it's just something that's built really slowly. And so just leaning into that makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear from you just a few more tangible things to focus on. So in each phase, I get a lot of questions about, you know, should you be doing cardio or should you be doing strength training or should you be doing hit or should you be, you know, doing all of these other things? And I don't love the shoulds. And I would love to hear, I think that we've already heard little pieces from you of there are certain phases where if you love cardio, then this is where you're going to do it best. There are certain phases where you can do heavier strength training. So maybe just a little overview of that and maybe a few things that we could take away today and be able to actually do something with our cycle. Sure. I'll take you through like just kind of the way I structure my workouts phase by phase because I do pretty much stick to strength training throughout the entire cycle. So it's going to look a little bit different throughout each phase. And this is how I add in those cyclical pieces. So for the follicular phase, that's when I am increasing my weight and I'm aiming for a rep range that's, you know, kind of between that four and six rep range where you're, it's pretty heavy, right? Like if you can only really complete four to six reps, that's a heavier weight. And you build up to that throughout your follicular phase. It's not like 
you know, you stop your bleed and suddenly, boom, you're just like this monster and you have all this strength. So I gradually build up to that. And then I typically will do some kind of cyclical style interval session at the end of that strength training session. So I'll stick to a main lift. I'll do a couple of accessory lifts where we stick to that rep range. And then I'll do some kind of like interval circuit. So in the follicular phase, like I mentioned before, we love intervals. So I'll do something like, you know, burpees and then go bust out some pull-ups and I'll do a couple of rounds of that. Kind of just those quick bursts of intense movements. And I'll just stick to maybe three to five rounds of that. And then as I move into my obligatory phase, that's when I'm going to take my strength training and I'm actually going to go heavier, but then decrease the rep range. So that's where I'm kind of working in that one to three rep range where it's getting really heavy and I'm taking very long rest intervals. So actually, when you are lifting heavier and you're in your most intense part of your cycle, which is your ovulatory phase, it's counterintuitive because your rest will be the longest. But you need that rest in between your sets to actually get that power back and restore all your nutrients so that you can perform to the best of your ability. So in the ovulatory phase, I'll just stick again the main lift, a couple of accessory lifts, and then I'll do my kind of cycle focus circuit at the end. And for the ovulatory phase, that might look like doing some intervals on my bike where I'll do some sprints. I could just go outside and sprint like run, but I'll stick to my garage and I can do rowing sprints or I can do bike sprints or bust out some, again, burpees, jump roping, things where my heart rate is going to get pretty high but then I let it come down and recover. Then as I move into my early luteal phase, that's when I'm going to start decreasing the weight that I'm lifting, so the load, but then my reps get higher. So now I'm going to be working more around that like 10 rep range, 10 to 12, and that's pretty manageable. So at the end of that set, I'm not feeling like I need that super long rest in between sets anymore. So I can decrease my rest intervals, but I am increasing my reps and decreasing the load. So once again, it's that idea of less intensity, but for longer duration. That's also a time where at the end of that quick lifting session, again, main lift and then some accessory movements. Those things don't change. That structure doesn't change because that's still very important to be working on all those functional aspects of strength training throughout the cycle. I could also start incorporating some longer but less intense cardio sessions. Or as before, I am doing some sprints on my bike. Now I might hop on my bike and I'm going to just do something really low intensity for 15, 20 minutes. And that would be my, my cycle focused part of the workout. Then late luteal, that changes for me. It's different for everyone, but sometimes I will stick to my strength training, but it's going to look pretty similar in that higher rep range, but lower load. and there's going to be a lot more mobility for me. So my kind of cycle focus part of the workout is mobility, working on balance, little details, breathing, so breath work, or if just depending on the month, I'm just walking. That's the part of my cycle where I am totally okay with just going for a walk and getting restorative movement. And that's going to be those last few days of the luteal phase into the heaviest days of my bleed. And you have to kind of look at it functionally or practically in your life too, because some people, when they're in their heaviest bleed days, while your hormones are at their lowest, and some, you know, scientific articles might tell you that since there's low hormone interference, you can go your heaviest then. For me, bleeding the heaviest and having a couple of things that aren't necessarily like bad symptoms of stress, but just things that I'm experiencing during my period, that's not a time where I want to be doing my heaviest squats, right? Like, 
We have to look at the practicality of it and your lived experience of the different phases. So for me, that's a time where I really am going to be focusing on that setup as I move into the follicular phase. Because across the board, no matter if you're a male or a female, you still need that deload week. And any strength training program, any program that's more consistent in nature is going to have a deload week built in. And typically that's week six or week eight. And if it's week eight and you're starting in alignment, like that could line up with that late luteal phase into your heaviest bleed days, it could. But here, when we're following a cyclical plan, we always make sure that that deload week makes sense with what our body is doing. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is so helpful. And I love really just in everything I've heard you say, like we're not talking about a quick fix. You're not like, okay, do this for three months and your body's going to look exactly how you want. You're going to lose all the weight. Like You're not talking about that at all. You're talking about like, this is something we do long-term and this is how you can do it long-term is by giving yourself grace to do what your body needs in each phase of the cycle. And even just hearing, you know, that you're building up in follicular and then you're at your highest point in ovulatory, I think that it gives us so much to focus on and so much, I think just empowerment to actually see progress because when you know okay, this is going to be a month later that I'm back in this place doing a similar lift or a similar weight. And like, let's see how it feels. Not only is that so encouraging when you see that it's moving in the right direction, but I think it's another way that we can learn to hear our bodies and check in with our bodies because if it doesn't feel as good as it did last month, that's a chance for us to just check in and be like, what happened this month? Like, have I been taking care of myself? Have I been stressed? Like, it's another way to use our cycles as markers of our health. So I love all of that. I'm excited to get into it even more. I've been working out in honoring my cycle in a, for a long time, but not this specifically. And so I'm really excited to see, see results for myself. And then I know that lots of people listening are going to be interested too. So I would love to hear a little bit more about like what you've seen change in your body or in your even in your mindset as you've done this. And then we'll kind of wrap up and I'd love to hear a little bit more about your course so that everyone listening knows exactly what it is. So it's really important that you mention the physical and mental changes because there's equal value to both of those pieces, in my opinion. And even in some cases, that mental piece might be more important. So for me, I'll start with mentally. It has given me an ability to be at so much more peace with myself. I'm no longer constantly fighting myself. and. I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to feeling like your health is always a battle or your fitness is always a battle. But this structure releases you of that because it's no longer you versus you. It's you with you, right? It's teaming up with your body. And so you really feel like you've joined forces with you know, your goals and then your body. And there is such peace and power in that. So that's been huge for me and the guilt piece of exercise no longer exists. So before, I would never have known that there was a physiological reason why I didn't want to work out or why it felt harder during certain parts of my cycle. Like if I didn't have that cycle awareness piece, it would always go back to I am the problem. And so now just with that awareness piece, I have been completely released of that. There is a not only a logical explanation for that, and, you know, a very, you know, cut and dry, straightforward scientific explanation for why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing, but also knowing that this is 
normal and that almost every other woman in the world is is in this with me and we're together and we don't have to be fighting ourselves or each other. It's not a competition. It's literally just you and you. And so that's been a huge mental piece for me. There's no guilt. There's so much more peace. And then physically, I'll be honest with you, I have been able to build more muscle and I'm at the leanest that I've ever been, despite not being a, you know, athlete anymore. I mean, you know, once an athlete, always an athlete, but I'm not a competitive athlete anymore. And even just like looking back at old pictures of me and then remembering how I was feeling in those seasons, I can see and I can remember such a huge difference. So I know it gets tricky talking about body composition and aesthetics and, you know, feeling lean, all those things. But at the end of the day, that has been my reality. I have seen that shift where I have built more muscle. So I have more muscle mass and my strength is comparable to that of what I had even before I had kids. I was so scared when I had kids that I would lose that part of me and that I wouldn't be able to perform how I did. And sure, there are definitely things that have changed about my body because of motherhood and, you know, certain things that aren't totally back yet or things that I don't even want or desire to have back again. But across the board, I would say overall, my strength has met or exceeded my pre-motherhood build and abilities. So that's been, you know, shocking, but also not shocking at the same time, right? It's like you're surprised, like, wow, is it really this easy? Like it shouldn't feel this easy, right? But actually it should. Fitness should feel good. Fitness should always play a positive role in your life. And it should feel like you're building muscle with ease. You shouldn't be in this place where you've been working out for, you know, six months, let's say, and you're not seeing any muscle growth. Like that's a red flag of either something in your programming is off or your approach or, you know, your stress levels, what have you. But I'm able to see cycle by cycle where the progress has been made. So for example, right now, I'm, and it's, you know, you can't focus on everything at the same time. But right now I am focusing on my one rep max for my strict overhead press. So holding a barbell and without any momentum, just strictly pressing it overhead like a military press. And when you take it by cycle by cycle and you're working towards that goal in the different phases, you actually can see progress month to month. And so it's interesting. So you mentioned before how like you're building up and you're doing these heavier lifts in one part of your cycle and you shift focuses in the next part of your cycle. However, while that's true, those lifts and those rep schemes that you're doing in your luteal phase where you're decreasing the weight, but you're doing more reps, that's actually helping you with your one rep max too, because you're not going to get stronger and increase your one rep max by just trying to do the same rep one time over and over and over again. That might take forever. I'm sure you could probably eventually do it. But what's actually going to get you stronger in those one rep max lifts is actually decreasing that weight and then doing it for three, five, eight reps. And so you're working on the same goal throughout the whole cycle. It's all those different parts and elements of fitness that are working together. So I've actually been able to increase my military press over the course of two cycles by 10 pounds. And that's really significant for an upper body lift for a female. And again, it's one of those like, is this shocking or does this just make sense? Because that's how females are built to exercise, right? So regardless, it's been really fun and it's been exciting to see that progress. So it's just those little things like that, where if I wasn't using a cyclical structure, 
don't think would necessarily happen as easily or without feeling like I have been so burdened with the stress of it where I finally accomplished that goal. And then I'm like over exercise. I want nothing to do with it. Right. Like you have this like exercise aversion. It's like I've accomplished this lift. Okay, what's next? And you feel ready and you feel energized to do it all over again. Yeah. Uh, That's so fun. I love seeing your enthusiasm there. And also just, again, like opening up the idea that so much is possible when we are working with our bodies versus working against them versus feeling the shame and the guilt that can come from nutrition and from exercise expectations that aren't being met. And so I just love this whole progress over perfection and long-term mindset because that's where I've seen the most growth in my life in literally every area. So, uh, so good. Yeah. I would love for you to just give us a quick little, like, tell us where we can find you and also tell us a little bit more about your course. I know I've mentioned a few things about it, but I would love to hear from you exactly what's in there so that everyone knows. Yeah, definitely. So my website is just CourtneyKeepingBalance.com and all of my offerings are on there. But in terms of like social media, I live on Instagram. I tried TikTok. It's just not for me. So I live on Instagram. So it's Courtney Keeping Balance. And then my course is the Keeping Balance Method. And that's what teaches you, even if you know nothing about hormones, from the beginning, what's going on module by module, lesson by lesson. We go in order. Everything is sequential and built off of each other. Where you're listening to video lectures and you have supplemental material to help you understand what's going on in all of your phases, how that applies to fitness on all those different areas that we talked about from a physiological standpoint, from an emotional, mental standpoint. And then after that, we talk about how to actually implement this and we go step by step into how to make it work for your life. So everyone's cycle is different. Everyone's life is different. So how do you apply this approach across the board? Well, you got to make it your own. So we go step by step on how to do that. So I teach you how to build workouts. I teach you how to plan out your month and your year for fitness. And then we talk about adapting workouts. So what if you don't want to make your own workouts? What if you already follow a plan? We have a lesson all about how to adapt workouts that already exist. Or if you're working with a personal trainer, how do you approach that and explain that to your personal trainer? And then there's a new module that just launched that we're talking about all of those like other extra little pieces, which I'm calling PBM and beyond. So those little things that of being a woman and being in the exercise space that aren't necessarily you know applicable across the board to all women, but it's kind of like a take what you need module where, okay, I have PCOS, I have PMDD. So all those things are coming out soon and we're building that out right now. And then there's also the workout. So you get a full cycle of strength programming from me and you can repeat that you know, indefinitely because true strength programming is going to repeat itself. Everyone expects a different workout every day, but strength programming repeats itself to get the best results. So you get a full cycle from me. You also get four more months of workouts from my partners. So you have lots of workouts to do. You also have a community of women where you can go in the group and you get support and ideas and, you know, just the amazing community piece of being in the world of PBM too. So I am obsessed with it. I absolutely love it. So that's my course. And yeah, you can find that on my website or through my Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been so great. I have loved learning and I'm excited to just dive into this piece of my cycle more. And hopefully this was helpful to everyone. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Any information shared on this podcast is solely for educational purposes 
is not to be taken as medical advice or to be used as a diagnosis or a treatment plan for any medical condition. I'm sharing my educated opinions and experience, but nothing shared here can be taken on a one-size-fits-all basis. We always recommend that you do your own research, talk to your own doctors, and take full informed responsibility for any health and medical choices that you make. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course Nourish Your Hormones is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.